go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 22 in your Bibles this morning. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. A well-known story in the Bible. I want to share some things with you and we're going to kind of start the message in one area and then we're going to kind of change directions as we go. But in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I on the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, I wish we had time to just go into all the significance of this passage. But I think you all know what that represents. I think when you see that ram that's caught there in the thicket by his horns and how it was able to take the place of his son, I think you all know what that represents. That represents Jesus Christ who took our place on the cross. Jesus Christ who was sacrificed in our place. And there's a lot of things that we could go into and really look deep into that passage. But I want you to notice the statement that Abraham had made even before he went there. He made that statement that God will provide himself a lamb. And then, at the end of it, they ended up calling the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And what that name means, Jehovah-Jireh, it means the Lord will see to it or the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. Whenever there's a need, you know, we often call the Lord Jehovah-Jireh because He takes care of our needs. Hey, the Lord will see to it. You have a need, the Lord will see to it. He'll take care of that. You need a way of salvation. Hey, the Lord will see to that. The Lord, He takes care of our way to salvation. He pays the price for our salvation. God is our provider. And we have a great story just about the provision 
of God here in Genesis. A great story we love. It's one we can often go to whenever we're facing uh, needs and difficulties. We can remember that, hey, the Bible called him Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. The Lord will take care of our needs. Just this week, on um, Thursday, I was on Thursday, my wife was in uh, Dixon and she had a flat tire. And so she called me up. She doesn't know how to change a tire. And, you know, I, but I'm two hours away. And so I was like, you know what? We've got this roadside assistance on in our insurance. Might as well take advantage of that. So, you know, I called the place. And they, came, they came out to take care of it. And it uh, turns out our spare tire is like padlocked on there. They couldn't get it off. I don't know why it's like that. So they towed it to Walmart. And uh, the tire wasn't fixable. And so they uh, we were just going to get two new tires. And she was in there waiting. And there was a guy that was in there, and he was wearing a pair of shorts that had like dollar bills or dollar signs on it, and that's important to uh, know that little detail of the story. They called it the money shorts guy. But anyway, you know, she, they talked a little bit, but nothing much. But anyway, they had to wait forever for them to do the tires and everything. But then after that guy left, a little bit later, the lady comes up and said, hey, this guy left $250 to pay for your tires. They didn't know me, but he he wanted uh, me to wait until he left before I give you the money. And so, and you know, the tires cost a little over two hundred dollars. There's still a little money left over. I mean, taken care of right there. A great blessing. Another example of the Lord's provision. You know, this week, you know, after that happened, of course, you know, it was a thing to rejoice about. You know, we were telling people about it. And but you know, something happened when I was talking about this. And I, I remember I got to look at this passage where it refers to God as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. And you know, I got convicted because, you know, I realized that, you know, I've been taught this story my whole life. I've known this story my whole life. We could go on and on about stories in the Bible about God's provision. I was thinking about all the times in my life. Since we've been married, there have been many times in our life when we're like, how are we going to pay the bills? You know, what are we going to do? Since you know, it's been almost five years now, I've been pastoring the church. You know, and I'm not going to stand here and tell you, bless God, I never one time worried how we're going to pay the bills. I always knew the Lord was going to provide. No, the devil many times has got me to worry. You know, the devil has many times has got me down. But you know what? Here we are, almost five years, we've paid all our bills. We've not been late anything. The Lord's provided everything. I'm 35 years old, and you know what? I'm still wearing clothes. I'm not starving to death. Right now, I ate two donuts this morning. You don't, you don't need donuts. That's a, that's a luxury food. I drank, I ate two donuts and drank a Dr Pepper for breakfast this morning. I mean, you know, breakfast of champions right there. All luxury food. You know, the Lord, He's He's provided my whole life, but yet you know you worry about these things all the time. And you know we can't. We all we love these stories. We like messages on it. We like hearing the stories because we can all relate. You know why? Because we all, all the time, wonder, oh, how's the Lord going to provide? How are we going to survive? How are these needs going to be met? But, you know, pretty, and pretty much, so when we look at these stories, it's because we are worried about something. We are wondering how God is going to take care of us. But as we study the Bible, and I've been studying some things in the Bible here recently, and I've realized that, you know what? We should be past this point in our lives. You know, we ought to be past the point where we're looking at these stories 
in the Old Testament about how God came through when things were at its darkest and things, things seemed impossible and God came through. You know, we ought to be past needing these kind of messages to motivate us and to get us to trust God. You know, now we ought to be to a place where we have this attitude, you know what, not God will provide, but you know what, the Lord has provided. We shouldn't be talking about it in the future. We should be talking about it in the past. Here we are today, and we should be saying, you know, how is the Lord going to provide? How is the Lord going to take care of this? How is the Lord going to take care of that? We should be talking about how God has already provided. We should be talking about the things that God has already done, not what is He going to do. And the title of my message this morning is, It's Time to Move On to the Next Class. And listen, I'm not just preaching a message to you this morning. I'm not just giving you a little something to teach you. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think it is time for us as a church to move on to the next class. It is time for us as individuals to move on to the next class. You know what? We, I mean, you all would be upset if your ninth grader came home from school and said, Mom, Dad, I learned what 2 plus 2 is today. Okay, You would be disappointed. I don't think you would be impressed by that. I think you'd be disappointed. I think you'd say we've gone wrong somewhere. And you know what? I don't think we ought to get as excited as we do about God providing. You say, well, that's a bad attitude. Shouldn't we always be excited? No, listen, we ought to be past that. We, we should be to a place where we never were worried about it in the first place. And I'm going to show you some scriptures that I think will help you and some things in the Scripture to show you where we should be right now. Folks, we are in the New Testament age. Do you realize that we have so much more than Abraham had? I mean, when we look at that story about Abraham, that is an amazing story. That was incredible faith. God has named those who are of faith with Abraham today. Abraham kind of set the example. He kind of set the standard of faith, you could say. And it is time for us to move on. We should be so far beyond Abraham, it's not even funny. Do you realize all Abraham had was God told him, go to another land. And Abraham went. Didn't even really know where he was going. God told Abraham, he came to him and told him, hey, you're going to have a son. And, you know, Abraham, you know, he tried to, you know, you know the story about how, you know, he didn't really trust God like he should have. He had Ishmael. Uh, through Hagar, but then later, at 100 years old, God gave him a son. That was, that was a pretty amazing thing. That was a pretty good miracle to be able to look back on and trust God. But do you understand that God has taken it to a whole other level here? Abraham did not have... He didn't have the Scriptures that he could read. He didn't have this story yet. He is living this story. He didn't have the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the stories of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. He did not have those stories. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have Jesus Christ. He didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling him, yet when God told him to go and sacrifice his son, he was going to do it because he believed God. We see in the New Testament that he believed that if God had to, he'd raise him up from the dead. He believed God could raise his son from the dead before the story of Lazarus. Before all the stories that we see of the resurrection, Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead before God had raised anyone from the dead. Think about that. And here Abraham, in a time, in that time, with what he had, was able to believe God the way he did. And look how much more we have, and yet we struggle. Most of us don't even have the faith of Abraham. And you know what? That's pretty pathetic. That's pretty sorry. 
And let's look at a few scriptures. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Look at this Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Faith and understand that we have so much more than every one of these people had that are mentioned in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath a foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Do you understand that these people were looking forward to something and had faith? But we are looking, we look back on stuff to have faith. Do you realize we are in a better position? It should be easier for us to have faith than it was for them. We're looking at the past. You know, it's kind of like when you watch a movie, the first time you watch it, you might be in suspense because you don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, the second time you watch it, you're not as in suspense as much anymore because you know what's going to happen. You've seen this before. Do you understand when it comes to things like God's provision that the promises and the proof that God will do it, we have example after example. Do you realize the situation that we were in this week is a situation that we've been in many times, that many people have been in, and over and over again, you know, God has always come through, and yet we still get in suspense all the time. Why? That's ridiculous. You know, we ought to know these things by now. We ought to be moved on. And then, uh, and notice too, you know, Jesus. Well, go to Second Peter first. Let's go to Second Peter chapter first. I'm going to, and then I want to show you something that we see with Jesus. Kind of what maybe will appear to be a strange attitude, but first in Second Peter, chapter one, verse one, says Simon Peter, a servant unto the apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Do you understand what multiplies grace and peace in our life? is the knowledge of God. you realize that we know more about God than Abraham did? We know more about God than all of those Old Testament writers? Do you realize that many of those Old Testament prophets that wrote about things didn't even understand what they were writing about? They just wrote what God told them to write and they didn't get it. We know now. These things have been explained. They've been revealed to us. Verse 3, According to His divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue into virtue, knowledge into knowledge, temperance into temperance, patience into patience, godliness into godliness, brotherly kindness into brotherly kindness, charity. We're supposed to be adding. We're supposed to be progressing. We're supposed to be moving forward. We're supposed to be going on to the next class. 
For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Do you all understand that because we have salvation today, because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, because we have the completed Scriptures that we are, we should be progressing. We should be moving on. We should be better. You know, people many times they will look at the failures of old te- people in the Old Testament, guys like David, guys like Abraham, guys who messed up big time, and they will use it. Hey, well, you know, Abraham messed up, David messed up. Well, do you understand? We have so much more than those guys had. We have so much more knowledge than they had. We have no business messing up. We have no excuse anymore for these things. And if we can't get past these things, if we struggle with faith, if you're struggling with faith, if you have doubt in your life, you realize it's because you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. You've forgotten that you got saved. Did you not get saved? If you got saved and you still can't even have, you don't even have faith, well, you've not moved on to the next class. You know, it's time to progress. It's time to learn something new. It is time to, it's time to move forward. And I think a good way to explain this is this question. Why is it that Jesus never seemed impressed by the miracles that He did? Think about that. You know, Jesus would do these miracles and while the reaction of the people was great, He never really reacted to it. Was He just being humble? You know, was He just trying to show, you know, was He trying to play it cool? Have you ever done something really impressive and you know you tried to act like, yeah, I meant to do that? I was at a basketball game one time. They were letting everybody shoot half-court shots so they could you know, win a free pizza or something. And I remember I went out there, and I remember, boy, I shot that thing, and as soon as I let go of it, I knew it was going in. And I remember it went in, and I remember I just I acted like nothing happened. I just acted all calm and cool like I make those things every day. But you know what? Inside, I was just like, that was impressive. <laughs> hey, I just nailed a half-court shot for a free pizza, but I did. I just act like nothing. I, I remember I won a, a golf tournament one time. It was a four-man best ball thing. And I won it because the three guys on my team were really good. I contributed nothing that whole game. And, I, and, and it was funny because we won. And everybody that knows me, they know I'm a terrible golfer. And, and they, were, they were all laughing because they knew I was, probably, I was going to be going up and getting a first place trophy and they knew I didn't deserve it. And I did and just for fun, I said, I, said, I said, watch. I said, I'm going to play it totally cool. I'm going to act like I've got tons of these things. And I did. As soon as they announced you know, the winners, I, I went walking up there and I did. I just acted like nothing. I took the trophy. I, I posed for the picture. I acted like I've got tons of these things. But you know what? It's my only golf trophy. And I still got it. It's, it's in my office. And I didn't deserve it all. And I remember I kind of looked back, you know, at those that knew me, and they're all just back there laughing because I'm up there just acting all cool. But you know, Jesus wasn't doing that, okay? Jesus wasn't just playing it cool because he was. No, Jesus wasn't impressed with somebody being raised from the dead physically. Jesus was not impressed by healing a lame man, uh, cleansing a leper. Those were not impressive things to him. You know why? Because he was Jesus Christ. But yet we would see Jesus get excited when somebody would show faith. You remember when the widow gave her two mites? Well, that was an act of faith when she did that. Jesus got excited about that. 
whenever the man, the ruler came to Jesus and told him, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus got excited. You know why Jesus got excited by those who showed faith? Because these were people who were moving on to the next class. These were people, okay, every teacher, they want to see students learn something. They're excited when a student learns. My wife teaches piano, and one of the most discouraging things when teaching piano is these kids who just don't get any better because they're just not practicing. It's discouraging. I gave guitar lessons for a while, and you know what? I quit giving guitar lessons because I got sick of teaching a bunch of kids who didn't practice and didn't care and never got any better. I just, I don't know, you know, this is stupid. I'm done. And I think every, I imagine teachers in the schools probably feel that way sometimes. But boy, when you have a student that gets it and learns and moves on, it's an exciting thing. And Jesus always got excited when the people showed faith. They had moved on to the next class. And do you realize that there are things right now that we are all impressing ourselves with, that we all get excited about, things that Jesus did not get excited about, things that we ought to look at and say, you know what, that's kid stuff. The blessing I shared with you all about you know, how the Lord took care of you, you know what, that's kid stuff. God providing for our needs, kid stuff. Okay? This, is, this is nothing new. God's been doing this for me my whole life. He's been doing this for others throughout all of history. David said, I've been young and I am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We should be so far beyond this, it isn't even funny. We have the stories, Abraham didn't have the story, yet it hadn't happened, of the children of Israel for 40 years being fed with manna in the wilderness. God took care of them. He didn't have the story of the water that came from the rock. He didn't have the story of the widow woman who gave the rest of her food to Elijah, but then the Lord just kept multiplying that oil and it just kept coming throughout the entire famine. They didn't have those stories. We have those stories. Abraham, he had faith that God would provide himself a lamb. And yet today, and today we know that not only was God providing a lamb for him then, but he was talking about something much bigger. God provided himself as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So, I mean, understand that, you know, some of these things, they're kid stuff. You know, answered prayers. Okay? Every, now, don't take this the wrong way. But boy, don't we get excited when God answers prayers? Hey, God answers one of my prayers. What? You're surprised? Really? You're surprised? You know, the Bible says, you know, you have not because you ask not. We see that, you know, if you have faith, as a grain of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. But yet we're excited when God answers one of our prayers. We act like it's a big deal. And listen, it's okay to look backwards and rejoice in all the things that God has done. I think we ought to do that. I think we ought to look back and rejoice in all those things. But understand, you know, those are just testimonies of, yep, God's kept His promise. Those testimonies to us should be things that we use for those who have not gotten to the next class. For those who maybe are weak in faith. Maybe they're lost and we can share those things with them. Maybe they don't know the stories yet. and We can tell them the stories in the Bible. We can tell them about our own personal experiences and it can be a help to them. But you understand, for us, we ought to be looking back at these things and it ought to just... This ought to be common. This ought to be every day. God answering prayers? Yeah, he, yeah, you know... So someone, oh man, God answered one of my prayers. We ought to be like, great. He answers mine all the time. 
That's what he does. Yeah. God kept his promise. Well, of course he did. You know, that, you know, we should be surprised if it doesn't happen. You know, we should be, when we, we don't get our prayers answered, we should be stopping and saying, whoa, what am I, you know, I must, have, I must be praying for the wrong things. And we, should, we shouldn't even wonder. We ought to know we're praying for the wrong things. We should be like, you know, not, it must not be the will of God. It's not the will of God. We ought to have that kind of, of confidence. Healings. We see all those healings by boy. We're always, we're always really impressed when we pray for somebody and they get healed. Remember that story in the book of Acts when Peter got thrown into prison? And everybody, they're all in a house together. They're all praying for people to get out of prison. And God answered their prayer. And an angel got Peter out of prison. And then Peter came to the house where the people were praying for him. And then he knocks on the door. Hey, it's, Peter's here. The girl got so excited she forgets to unlock the door, goes back and tells everybody, hey, Peter's here. No, he's not. What? You know, yeah, yeah, no, he's really here. Not. Nah, it must be his spirit then. You need to leave us alone while we pray that God helps Peter out, even though he's probably dead. What in the world? <laughs> I mean, you know, they you know, they should have been expecting it. They should have had somebody at the door waiting for Peter to show up. Because they were praying. But that's not how we are. We, we'll pray out of obedience. Well, I guess I'm supposed to pray. That's what we're supposed to do in this. And nobody's going to feel sorry for me if they ask if I prayed about it. And I tell them no, so I'm going to pray out of obligation. No, we, we ought to have that much faith that we, do, we just, we're not surprised when God does things like healing. Jesus was never impressed with the healing. You know, God's provision should not be a surprise. It ought to be something that we expect. When, if, if there is something right now that appears to be a future need that's coming your way, we ought to have the attitude, God's already done it. Why would I, why would I worry about that when I have you know, 6,000 years of history of a God who provides? While I have my own personal history of 35 years of a God who provides, why would I be excited about this? I'm not putting, any, I'm not putting God down. I'm just saying, you know, we ought to be more like Christ move on to the next class, and we shouldn't be impressed by these things. I was impressed when I learned my times tables. I was impressed with myself when I learned that. I was impressed with myself when I learned long division, and then when I learned how to do the square roots, and then when I got into algebra, man, I thought I was practically a genius. But, you know, at the same time, I, I should have been able to do those things. You know, I was I was progressing I was getting better, and a lot of these things that we're getting excited about are things that ought to just be common every day, no big deal, because we are, we are supposed to move on to something. There's, a, there's something that we are trying to get to, and I'm plan, uh, we'll probably be talking more about this next week, but, you know, battles won. Okay? Chances are you're in a battle right now. They say all the time you're either in a battle, you've just come out of a battle, or you're about to go into another battle. And you know what? I mean, And that's just true. That's just life. And you know what? We shouldn't be worried about the battle. You know, we sing these songs all the time, like the banner of the cross, you know, when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. We hear those, you know, we ought to be past. I shouldn't, when you're going through a battle, I shouldn't need to tell you the story again about Gideon and his 300 men defeating the multitudes. You know that story. I shouldn't need to keep doing that. You know, how many times do we have to tell the David and Goliath story? Shouldn't we have moved on to the next class? I understand, you know, people that just get saved. They need to learn those stories. But, you know, I shouldn't have to get you all hyped up with that. We ought to be 
so far past that, it's not even funny. We know future battles. Okay? We know Jesus Christ is going to win it all. We know how this thing is going to end. Battles won, we shouldn't even be worried about it. When I, look, when I go back and I read the story of David and Goliath, I am not biting my nails wondering if David's going to get killed. I know the story. And God gave those stories in the Old Testament for us. Those are there for us so we will learn to have faith. So we will learn not to have fear. David wasn't afraid and he didn't have the story of David and Goliath. He was living that story. We know those stories. So if we're in that situation today, we shouldn't be worried about it at all. If you've got a battle coming your way right now, if you see this armies gathering around you, so to speak, we ought to be able to say, you know what? They that be with me are more than with them. Just like Elisha said to his servant. We ought to be able to, we ought to, we know these stories and we shouldn't be worried about the battle. We ought to be able to, we ought to be able to just cakewalk right through these things. Why? Because God comes through every time. He is going to come through. People being brought back from the dead. Boy, we'd all be impressed by that. Jesus never was. Jesus was never impressed when people came back from the dead. You never see Him get excited. You never see Him rejoicing. And Once again, He's not like me. He wasn't playing it cool. He wasn't trying to impress the crowd. He literally was not impressed. Jesus Christ is in that next class. He was, you know, he's the teacher. He's the one that knows what's going on. And look at in Luke chapter 10. Turn over there. I want to show you a passage of scripture here. Just because we are we are so easily impressed sometimes. But once again, going on to the next class, and just briefly, I want to mention what that is. I'm seeing more and more throughout the New Testament what we are taught today. What we are supposed, the class we are supposed to be moving on to today, where we should be at today. Okay, if you're saved, you get saved by grace through faith. Okay, the faith thing, we ought to be. Faith shouldn't even be an issue. Shouldn't even be a big deal. What we're supposed to be doing today is becoming like Christ. We are supposed to be sanctifying ourselves, purifying ourselves, becoming like Christ. Jesus was never impressed with miracles. He wasn't. He was excited when people had faith because he was glad to see people move on. But he, the things that excite us, Jesus never got excited about those things. And look at here, we see an example of this in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any by any means hurt you. Hey, that's exciting. Man, the devils are listening to us. Man, we got power over these devils. All we have to do is say in Jesus' name and they listen to us. And then Jesus, man, that's nothing. I'm going to give you power to tread on serpents. We see the story about Paul. He got bit by the snake. He shook it off into the fire. And Jesus is saying, you know, this, this is nothing. This is no big deal. But then, in verse 20, he said, Notwithstanding, in this, rejoice not. Hey, what are you all getting excited about because you know 2 plus 2? Why are you all excited because you just finally got through your ABCs? Hey, it's time to move on to the next class. You want to rejoice about something? Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's something to be excited about. Verse 21, In that hour... 
Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in Thy sight. Once again, what's He saying here? Hey, people who don't have a lot of knowledge, they were the ones that had faith. They, he, once again, Jesus is rejoicing in their faith. Hey, we've got some here that are progressing. We have some here that have gotten saved. You know why? Jesus was never impressed with somebody being raised from the dead. You know why? Because He didn't come to raise people from the dead physically. He came to raise them from the dead spiritually. That is why He came. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Not somebody lost out in the woods. Not somebody wandering out in the wilderness. Somebody who spiritually was lost. He wanted to see people saved. That is why He came. To see people saved. And so you know what? If you have... If you have provisions, if you have all the things you need, if you have power to tread on scorpions, if you have the power to cast out devils, understand that that's not exciting at all. What's exciting is when you're saved. When you have faith and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when your names are written in heaven, that's something to be excited about. That was what excited Jesus. Those who got saved, and so now we're saved, we need to be ready to move on to the next class. We're saved. We ought to be able to go forward. And the way that we should look at things today, we shouldn't be saying, hey, God will provide. Whenever somebody's going through a hard time, you know, don't worry. God will provide. We should be talking about things in the past tense. Hey, God has provided. God already did provide. We should be looking... We should be looking back. We are in a day and age when we should look at things with the attitude God has provided. We shouldn't be saying God will, but God has. Revelation 13, verse 8, it refers to Jesus Christ as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you understand that while it calls Him the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, guys like Abraham, they didn't know how salvation was going to work exactly. They didn't know how it was all going to play out they didn't understand God coming to earth. They, I mean, that first prophecy that God gave, the seed of a woman shall bruise the head of Satan. They didn't get that. They didn't understand it all. But you know what? They trusted God. They believed Him. And they got saved. Today, we, we're looking back on all those things. And in Revelation, it refers to as a lamb slain. Talking about it in the past, from the foundation of the world. And when God says something is going to happen... We might as well go ahead. You know what? Let's just record it in history. Think about it. I mean, even the future things in the Bible that are yet to come, we ought to look at those things as recorded history. They they are going to happen as sure as other things have happened. When we look at, I mean, if for us to worry about something that God has promised, once again, like provision. For us to be worried about that, it would be like us right now worrying who's going to win the Revolutionary War. Why would we worry about that? Hey, that already happened. I can understand why George Washington was worried about it. But why would we worry about it? It's already happened. And do you understand what we have the completed Scriptures? We, we have the promises of God. We have example after example in the Bible of God fulfilling those promises. We have experienced these things ourselves. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. 
And we should not be, you know, looking forward, you know, trying to grasp onto faith and trying to hang. We ought to be past that. We ought to be looking at these things as in the past that they're already done. God's going to provide. God's going to provide for Liberty Baptist Church. God's going to take care of Liberty Baptist Church. God's going to take care of my knees and your knees. I don't need to worry about that. I've got better things to do than to worry about whether or not God's going to keep His promises. You know what I need to do? I need to be trying to do what I've been told to do. In the next class, I need to start purifying myself. I need to start becoming more and more like Christ. That's what I've been called to do. That's, that's the next class. Apostle Paul, remember what he said? You know, i I got to give you milk instead of meat. He said, I want to give you the meat. You all ought to be ready for some new things, but sometimes we, it's like we, we, want, we like to go back and get that old stuff. We like that we want somebody to come here and tell us all these stories about God's provision because we're struggling with trusting God right now and we want some good stories to help get us trusting God again. Really? You want to go back to first grade? Hey, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go on. I'm ready to get out of high school. I want to go on to the college. I, I, want to get the, I want to get the next thing. I want, to start, I want to start becoming like Jesus Christ. I want to be like Him. And when miracles happen, I just want to be like, no big deal. Wasn't real worried about it. Some of you all, you might want to be like the disciples whenever the storm's going on. You want to be running around the boat, panicking and screaming. You know, people just love drama these days. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you all love drama. You all love worrying about it. But you know, I'd like to think that if I could go back and I was on that boat, I'd just be sitting there, you know, watching this. Look at the disciples running around. You know, Jesus, he's just down there sleeping, man. He's going to stop this. Just He's going to say, peace be still, and it's done. Look at these clowns running around like a bunch of maniacs. Man, they've been running around for hours. Oh, and finally, now they're going to go ask Jesus to do something about it. Why didn't they just do that in the beginning? So, well, that's easy for you. You're looking back on that story. But yes, we. But at the same time, God has the things that we worry about are things that God has promised are going to come. So why can't we do that now? If you're going through a storm in your life, why don't you just sit back and enjoy the waves? Why don't you just sit back and watch the clouds and watch the rain and watch everybody else run around and panic and tear their hair out and wonder what's going on and you know what and just enjoy the show and say I can't wait to watch this. This is going to be cool. This is going to be neat because pretty soon Jesus is going to come out of that boat. He's going to say peace be still and it's going to be done. And whatever you're going through right now, it's just a matter of time. God's going to take care of it. Do you want to sit back and enjoy the show or do you? Do you want to panic? Do you just love drama that much? I'm not a big fan of drama. I don't like it. I don't like crying. I don't watch crying movies. I hate them. I think they're stupid. I think it's stupid to watch a movie that's just going to make you cry. What's the point? I try to avoid those things. But some people, some people love it. But you know what? I don't want drama in my life. I don't want to come to church. Why y'all? Lord, are you going to show up today? Lord, are you going to do anything at Liberty Baptist Church? You know, Lord, are you going to take care of our needs? Lord, are you going to save anybody? I mean, look, no, I don't want to have that attitude anymore. I'm ready to move on. I hope you all are ready to move on to the next class with me. Because, you know what? I'm tired of kindergarten stuff over and over again. I'm ready, I'm ready to go on to the bigger things. I want, to st- I, want, I want what we think is a big deal to seem like nothing and move on to the next thing because there are more promises that are still yet to come. There are still some things 
that we have that we can look forward to that I'm hoping to talk about in the next weeks. And boy, they're, they're exciting. Paul talked about, you know, he talked to the Galatians about how some of you want to go back to the weak and the beggarly elements. They're, they're wanting to go back to the Old Testament where they're trying to keep the law. Why would you want to do that? Why would, you know, why, why would we want to be that way? We should be past that. And I hope you all are ready to move on to the next class. So with that, let's all stand together.